Gondor Calls for Ale, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. I'm Sam Gallagher, and with me is my brother Ben. Hello, hello. In this podcast, we'll attempt to document events we attend and games we play in a hopefully interesting and engaging way. So don't forget to grab your pocket handkerchief and 13 companions as we go on an adventure. Well, we couldn't call ourselves Gondor Calls for Ale if we didn't have some sort of drink at hand while we were talking all things Middle-earth. So, Ben, do you have a suitable drink this evening? Well, Sam, here we are. Hope you're sitting comfortably. I have gone to the Black Gates, which is what I'm calling my refrigerator because it's black. I have gone to the Black Gates and opened the Black Gates and got myself an ever-watchful IPA. A beer that leaves me thirsting for one something, something singular, something round. I don't know what it is yet. Maybe it's at the bottom of this glass. But I hope you two are sitting comfortably with some sort of frosty beverage. Uh, Well, I think for the good of all ardour, I hope that you don't find what you're looking for at the bottom of that glass. I myself went to the great forest of Fangorn because I'm having an angry orchard, an ent draft to keep me green and growing for the episode to come. So we know what you're having to drink, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, Ben. Do you have a favourite army? How long have you been playing the game? So I'm one of those players that's recently back to the game after a brief hiatus. I played quite a lot uh, for quite a while, growing up through my teenage years in a games workshop store. I'm sure there are many folks out there that can relate Mm. to that. And I sort of lost track of the game right around when Games Workshop was pushing it into War of the Ring. Yeah, I, I must say I did not love War of the Ring. No, I don't think it was a huge success given that it there's no one talks about it anymore. And yeah, made a made a debut back in the game when you invited me out to do Nova in 2019, maybe? Yeah, I think that's I think it was the first Oh, sorry, the first, the last Nova before COVID really hit, right? We uh... yeah. yeah, and we went out and we did that, and I honestly don't even remember. I We didn't do the GT, we did the doubles no, yeah. event, and we had an absolute blast at the doubles event. And since then, there's been this, this hunger for more Lord of the Rings. As there should be. So, played the game when you were a teenager, came back into it recently, back at the 2019 Nova, sort of reintroduced it right would you say since since being playing would you say you have a do you have a favorite mm-hmm. army or a preference on good versus evil definitely like the evil guys orcs always a favorite of mine there's just something about them they're like mean and you know battered armor and disheveled the and chaotic orc. and the humble orc yeah you gotta love the humble orc you don't mind if he dies you cheer him when he's heroic you know does awesome things that he shouldn't do and then you you don't care when he dies in a corner doing things that he should do. So yeah, the, the humble orc and big bad monsters, all about those the trolls yeah. and some of the wicked heroes too. So just generally generally evil. Right now I'm playing a lot with Azog's Legion because you've got big heroes and big monsters, and I really like the Gundabad orc models. I think they're very orky. So yeah, that's that's my at the moment my favorite faction. Very nice, very nice. So then final question: Give us your Favorite Lord of the Rings related moment. Mm, mm, favorite, pick a pick a favorite Lord of the Rings moment. Um, okay, here we go. Favorite Lord of the Rings scene out of the movies. That bit when Aragorn walks back into um, ah. pushes through the double doors into Theoden's hall. I remember enacting out that scene with a good friend of mine in middle school over and over and over again, pushing through double doors up until the point where I cannot see a set of double doors without being tempted to walk through them like Aragorn. So they they go. What about you, Sam? What was your first exposure to the Lord of the Rings? How how long have you been playing? I mean, that's a that's a that's a, a tough question, right? I think actively been playing uh, is much shorter than than time I've had a large quantity of models. But you know, I remember when the Fellowship of the Ring came out, 
and Games Workshop released the game and getting models then and have been playing on and off ever since. And like you, I think, you know, War of the Ring kind of killed it and the community was never huge at the local stores. But, yeah, which is a shame. But I, no. but then I, re I remember, I guess it must have been 2018 the new edition came out and I remember seeing those books and I was like holy crap I have to get the rules and I have to get the armies and that was the and it came out right around the time of my birthday because I think it was in October and uh and that was the first time I'd asked for model related stuff from from family for my birthday in like so many years but I was like I have to get these books and then you know as you said the first I think the the first time I played the new game, really. Oh, I played a few Battle Companies. I played a few Battle Companies games, but that that doubles tournament Nova twenty nineteen that was my first first foray back into the game, and as you say, hungered for more ever since. And uh, a favorite faction, favorite model. Oh, favorite faction. I too lean towards the evil. I think there's there's something about there's something about not caring and and there were just there were just i think more of the evil armies i am excited to do than there are the good armies there are obviously a handful of good armies i want to do but i would very happily do pretty much every single evil army favorite model that is an excellent question i i you know i really i love i think you know it's probably it's probably the new plastic grima worm tongue honestly i think it's such a good it's such a good model the sculpt is awesome and I think a lot of the time, some of the like non-combatant models are some of the cooler ones they do. You know, it's just a, a subtle pose. And, ah, it's just great. Plus, it's it's Grima Wormtongue. So, favorite model of the episode. There it is, Grima Wormtongue. Right. Last but not least, uh, favorite Lord of the Rings moment for you? Out of the books, out of uh, audio books, uh, the films, even a moment on the battlefield. My favorite character in the in the books has got to be Tom Bombadil, and I know a lot of people hate on Rob Inglis, but man, his singing the Tom Bombadil songs is awesome. I love it. It's, it's so good. And I, as a kid, I like you know because we used to drive back and forth to school, and we'd listen to the audio books and. Ah, uh, it was so. I, I like found yeah. we had a obviously we had a copy of the Lord of the Rings, and I remember going to find the section with the Tom Bombadil songs, and I like memorized them all. And to this day, I can still sing most of the Hey Ho Bombadil, Tom Bombadil. It's so good. That's so. That's that's. It's yeah. It's got to be the Tom Bombadil. Fantastic. Fantastic good old Tom Bombadil. Well, maybe you'll get to put him down. Uh, he won't be banned in some tournament, and you'll get to put him down on the table and terrify your opponent. Right, with his just start power. singing at people for an entire game. Ah, oh, mm, that'd be so good. Take it away, Sam. What are you hobbying on at the moment? Well, in in preparation for the event we're going to chat about in this episode, I've been building some Isengard, some Urukai, Saruman the White, Grima Wormtongue. Maybe that's why he's currently on my brain as favorite model. Uh, <laughs> um, but previously before that, it was preparing for Adepticon, where I painted a Gundabad army and a Rohan yeah. Helms Legendary Legion, Helms Guard Army. Lots of exciting stuff on the workbench there. Sam does all my painting for me at the moment, listener. Blasphemous, I know, but it's awesome to be able to put down a beautifully painted army. I just don't have space in my life at the moment, so Sam is the, the painting hero and does a beautiful job, I will say. So super excited to see oh, well. the Isengard oh, Army finished. Well, don't worry. Don't worry, listener. I, much like Grima Wormtongue, have been whispering plans in Ben's ear, and despite <laughs> the fact he is in he is limited space, I predict that in a few short months I will have convinced him that setting up a workbench and using a quarter of his, his limited space is the way to go. And we'll soon be the battlefields will soon be graced by both Ben and Sam Gallagher painted armies. Alright, so I think as we've as we've alluded to the point of this episode is to chat about 
an event. Well, I suppose the point of the next several episodes is to chat about an event. So, Ben, you want to let us know what, what event are we going to be talking about? So, over the next probably two episodes, uh, we're going to be talking about the Bilbo's Birthday Bash. Love that alliteration. was an 800-point. Yeah, great alliteration. 800-point uh, event uh, down in Richmond, Virginia at the Battleground store. And it's a good versus evil event, which neither of us took, <laughs> took advantage of that opportunity. We both just brought evil armies. But it's super cool to do an event like that. We've been talking about that we wanted to go to one like that for a while. Next time we will, we'll both be bringing two armies. Just because it's really nice to be able to put down a good force and know that you're going to be fighting against an evil force and, and vice versa. You don't have to worry about your orcs fighting ring wraiths and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. It is very funny that for a while we've been chatting about how like, oh the game is like really set up to be good versus evil and it'd be so cool to do those events and then the first opportunity we get to play one because it was optional we optioned into just yeah like well, well it was supposed to be a bit of a, a practice event for us right to get some games in before uh, nova the nova that's open. true so we wanted to use that as an opportunity to run some some trial lists and guarantee ourselves some games with with the lists that we took. That is true. So yeah, one of the cool things about this event as well as there being prizes for first through third place. Not to mention the Noble Wooden Spoon. Uh, indeed, indeed. That, and I should we should also mention it was over, played five games across two days that throughout the games, the tournament organizer would shout out and be like, the first person to kill the enemy leader, let me know, or the first five people, let me know, and you'll win a prize, or, you know, was going around asking trivia questions, um, there was a raffle going on, so you might win raffle tickets, you might win some prizes, it was really, it was really neat, and it sort of, at least for me, as not being a tactical genius, felt like it gave the opportunity to, to come away with some, some cool toys or prize even if you didn't win all your games so yeah super great event lots of prize support almost eight hundred dollars almost nine hundred dollars worth of worth of prizes in the form of lord of the rings toys and store credit so super great event great job would absolutely go bad right and also very cool to have a store where if or an event at a store where if you win store credit they actually stocked lord of the Rings stuff on the shelf and not just like the new character boxes that gw's released there was you know there was a, a decent selection which is really nice because you can like straight turn around and turn your winnings into something for the game that you know you're pumped for yeah buy some buy some games workshop toys let games workshop know that we want more 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 support for lord of the rings it's their best game Give it some love. I feel like I've been monologuing a little bit here, Ben. So why don't you take it away and tell us about your army and what your goals, hopes, dreams were going into this event. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier on, Azog's Legion is my favorite list at the moment. You just got so many good choices. You got big monsters and you got little monsters and you got orcs and you got berserkers and... I never have any luck with any bows anyway. My bows never do anything, so the army list has no shooting, so I'm not even <laughs> tempted to take bows. You just, Bolg's the only one that can have a bow. And naturally, you, you put a bow on Bolg every time and use him as a sniper, right? Oh, no, no, no. Never take the bow on Bolg. Five points, <laughs> spend it on something else. Spend it on something else. And I'm sure it's good. A I'm single sure goblin. Good. Maybe in Hunter Orcs. And then, yeah, the, I mean, the other thing about that list, too, is you, you have big heroes. You have your Azog and your Bog, who are Fight 7 with Master of Battle. And, yeah, so you get, it feels like you get all the toys in that list. So you have the potential of bringing all the toys. What toys did you bring to this game, or this game, this event? Okay, so the army's led by Bog, and he's accompanied by six Berserkers, two Ogres, and two Warbats. And then the core of the army is two warbands of a Gundabad captain and six sword and board Gundabads and six spear and shield Gundabads and there's one banner in one of those warbands. So the model total is 37 in 800 points. It's a little low. You often want to be shooting for about uh, one model for every 20 points. So it's a little bit below, but it's got some fairly elite stuff in there. A, a big hitter with Bolg and two dependable captains and warbats for speed and goals going into the tournament always when i'm playing bog is just to kill as much stuff as i can with bog and as always try and come out with a winning record we were going to play five games so i wanted to win at least three of them 
just a goal to have for myself, try to be a better player, always, always improving. And then always just to have fun, you know, I really like this game. I want other people to like it. So I don't, I want, I want to have fun and I want my opponents to have fun. Every well, time. there's your mistake. <laughs> the only one I've seen so far. No, no, that sounds good goals. Sounds like a fun army. And I look forward to hearing how it does. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I wanted to get practice with this army for another, another event coming up. So I decided not to bring a good army, which, you know, was maybe a little unfair, but after all, I'm an evil player. So I've got to do some evil. <laughs> shenanigans. What did you bring? I've been working on an Isengard army, a little quick background on why I opted for Isengard just to drag this section out even longer. I absolutely hate playing against Angmar. Quite often in Angmar you see a Witch King or Ringwraith on Felbeast, and for a few glorious minutes in my life I thought that Sorceress Blast could target the Felbeast only, and you could knock it over, and that would be hilarious. Obviously it doesn't actually work like that, which is a shame, but I got fixated on the idea of Saruman Sorceress Blasting people, so I was like, you know what? I think having the having an army of fight four, strength four, defense six, Uruks backed up by the White Wizard sounds like yeah, an awesome time. Urukai, just the basic Urukai, just so awesome, and it's cool to have an army that depends on its troops more than its heroes. Really, like fight four, strength four, defense six, like you said, is just so good. So good. If only they could have spears, they'd be the best troops. Oh, I know. I don't love the pikes, but what can you do? So that was the other thing about the army, right? Is is we spent I don't know several weeks sort of shooting army lists and variations back and forth to try and figure out what exactly I was going to take. Because Saruman's a huge investment. Yeah, and if you take Saruman, you've got to take Grima. Exactly. So without without any further ado. Here is the 800-point army list I brought to Bilbo's birthday bash. It is Saruman the White on a horse. In his warband, he has Grima Wormtongue, also with a horse, a single Krebine, a single Urukai with shield and banner, seven Urukai with shield, three with pike, and two crossbows. My next mm. warband is Mahur, and five Urukai Scouts with shield and the Marauder upgrade. That sweet plus two movement, pretty good. The following warband is Ugluk with six Urukai Warriors with shields, three Urukai Warriors with pikes, and three Urukai Warriors with crossbows. And that's not all. My final warband is Vrashku with three Urukai Warriors with crossbows. So it's a total of 39 models, which if you're going by uh, what what other perhaps more famous podcasters recommend, which is the one model per 20 points, it's a single single model under. Um, it breaks at after 20 models are killed, which only matters for games that potentially end on scenario break. But I don't start taking courage tests until 26 models have been killed. Um, there are eight crossbows in there. And it's 10 crossbow, sh crossbow shots with Verascu's expert shot. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was, you know, I guess the other thing to mention, it's 9, 11 might in the army, which mm. is certainly, certainly pretty, pretty nice to have. Especially when you're uh, eating your opponent's might with Grima. Oh, right. Mm. So, you want to give us a quick rundown on uh, on how Grima works for anyone out there who's not familiar with the most sage advisor, <laughs> advisor, advisor. Sure thing. So Grima Wormtongue has the option. He can either be deployed in Saruman's warband, or alternatively, you can deploy him with an enemy character. If you do that, you declare which character you're going to deploy him with for deployment, and then once that character goes down, he deploys. I after the that character's full warband has been deployed, um, I get to put him. I then deploy Grima Wormtongue um, within six inches of the hero, like like the rest of the warband. Well, yeah. So it it deploys within legal distance. So I think there are a few scenarios where you get like a bigger deployment, or for an example. Uh... The royal, the royal war mark has a twelve-inch bubble, um, right, right. So Grima Wormtongue could be within twelve inches of him. 
Um, gotcha. And then any time you wish to make a heroic action within six inches of Grima Wormtongue, you have to spend an additional point of might to do it, which is Ooh. absolutely brutal. Um, you, you can charge him, but you can't ever strike blows against him unless you kill Saruman. Um, and you can never, even if you're evil, you can never roll an in. If you have to take an in the way for a shot, if he's in the way, you can't shoot. So, yeah, he's the only evil character that can't accidentally be shot when he's pretending right. to be your friend. Uh, it's so, it's so good. Fantastic. Throughout this event, I did keep a tally of the extra might that Grima Wormtongue made people spend. Ooh, ooh, so tell us at the end. Give us a that at the end. We'll have to stay, stay tuned. Five games. Its victory is at hand! Okay, Sam. So, game one. Isengard versus who? I had the classic matchup of Isengard versus the Last Alliance. Isengard versus the Last Alliance of Elves and Men, and where was it fought? It was fought on a very bizarre table. It was some ruins and a lot of, like, individual little bits of terrain. There were some of these, like, open palm hand ruin things and some, like, columns and pillars. Uh, we were playing Destroy the Supplies. Do you want to give us a quick overview of how, how what Destroying Supplies is and how one does it? So, Destroy the Supplies is actually one of my favorite scenarios. I think it's a lot of fun to play. It's an objective-based mission in which both players place three objectives 12 inches up from their backboard edge, spaced evenly apart. And you're trying to race across to your opponent's side of the board and destroy those supplies by spending a turn in base contact with the supply marker, not shooting, not casting magic, or fighting in combat. And then the supply is destroyed and you can move on to another supply uh, or while trying to defend your own supplies so it's a, it's a lot of fun and you also score victory points for wounding the enemy leader or killing them victory points for breaking your opponent and for having one banner left at the end of the round and i think it's cool because it lends itself to custom to custom supply markers like the ones that sam made for his helms legendary legion uh little clusters of spears and shields on a, on a base just you know Little, little extra flavor so i'll quickly i'll just overview my opponent's army list it was pretty straightforward it was um a landil with a bunch of numenorians on foot skill gallard with three or so rivendell knights and then a bunch of elves on foot and a banner now correct me if i'm wrong sam but Gilgalad was an elven king of him the harpers do in fact sadly sing ben you are correct ah uh. Yeah, right, right. The last whose realm was fair and free. Where was it? It was it was between the mountains and the sea. <laughs> We're not nerds, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could keep going, but we'll not keep so going. So going into this game, I I felt the scenario was pretty good for me because I had a Krebine and a Grima and but then I was like, "Oh man, the Numenorians are all going to get resistance to magic if they stay within 6 inches of Elendil." That's going to be a pain in the butt. I guess I'll have to target the elves with any any magical shenanigans I wish to do. So I played against TJ, who was a super great guy, really fun game, and he I think he was pretty new to the to the Middle Earth strategy battle game, or at least his local area didn't have many players. So he said he was sort of like on a quest to just play as in as many events as possible, which you know I completely support. Can relate, right? Exactly. So we basically, we both basically deployed on our 12-inch lines. You know, I've got eight crossbows, so the first couple turns I just let him run at me, or 10 crossbow shots even, and so I, I moved up a little. Basically what I decided to do was surrender my far left 
supply i was like i'm not i'm not worried about losing one right as long as i can get more it's rather than really spreading my army out i'm gonna sort of concentrate on these two right hand so center and then the right hand supply marker i'm just gonna make sure he doesn't get these ones and then i'm just gonna have to at least match his one supply marker so we set up so as you asked earlier i'll finally get to your question grima deployed with gil gallard and who was his army leader elendil Lendl was the army army leader, okay. So Grima deployed with Gilgalad, partially just because I forgot to declare it before he put Elendil down. But it also worked out because Gilgalad was on a horse. (laughs) So I figured I, you know, I would run Grima interference. And really this game didn't matter for who I put Grima with because his whole job was he was going to go burn supply markers. Because I just leave him in the back and go... Don't worry about me, guys. I'm guarding the supplies, and by that I mean I'm going to burn them when you're not looking. Oh no, they must have burned sometime in the night. I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, I deployed my first in in deployment. I deployed Grima touching a supply marker oh. because why wouldn't I? I was like, well, he'll charge him. That's fine. So he moved up, and he didn't charge Grima hmm. and I tried to explain to him in the movement phase I was like you should probably charge Grima just because like that way he doesn't burn the supply marker and he I don't think he quite understood fair enough so we moved on he moved up I took some shots with crossbows I think I killed a Rivendell knight and then he moved his all his Numenorians towards the open supply marker that I, I left for them to take Notably leaving a Lendil in the back behind the building. So then we start getting into it a little bit more and Gilgalad and a couple knights start shooting up the side. Here comes Saruman. Mm. Peeks around this ruin and catapults a Rivendell knight into a Lend. Oh, I should say at the end of the turn. I'll go back. Um, so he'd moved the... He'd left a Lendil in the backfield. At the end of the turn... I go so Grima is gonna burn the supply marker and the guy was like oh I didn't I didn't think about that because I was just touching the marker like not directly on top of it so I was like well maybe he didn't so I was like why what about you have a dude who's standing right next to him we'll just say he charged him and that's fine first game of the give the give a new player the benefit of the doubt plus I felt a little bit dirty about Grima Wormtongue not being able to be like really stopped from doing it so then we move into the into turn two, and he does the same thing. He just he just didn't engage Grima, and I was like, well, I you know I gave it to you once. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you what to do, and move the rest of his army forwards. And then at the end of that turn, Grima burnt the supply marker, and then I think it was around, mm. and he kept pushing up with the new Minorians and moving some of the knights closer, and then did a good job of screening Gilgalad from from Saruman, but kind of that works out better for me because Saruman just targeted a Rivendell knight and shot him with a sorceress blast backwards into Gilgalad and knocked him off a, off his horse and I had Mahur and his warband were cruising around with Saruman and they legged it over there while Gilgalad was lying on the ground with their 8 inch movement and surrounded him and so we did that fight and there we go, Gilgalad gets the 6 and I was, you know, so I back off, but he doesn't kill anyone. That's tense there. I was, I was worried. Right? It was, I, I was, I was excited. I was like, this is going to be it. These Urks are going to flash kill me a Gilgalad. He had used, he had used a might for a heroic move, I think. And then, and then Saruman uh-huh. uh, knocked him off his horse. So the next turn rolls around and I trap Gilgalad and start worrying about other stuff and moving up and... Grima's walking towards another objective and now he's doing a better job about trying to tag Grima and stop him from getting to the objective which I was like okay so lesson learned which is awesome and in the combat phase Gil Gallard rolled a three and did not have them and I rolled a six didn't have them didn't have enough might uh, mighted up and it was Maher and three Uruks with traps Maher's rolling six dice at strength five oh and god and Gilgalad's three wounds, one fate, and I think I got oh, oh. three wounds with Maher, or two wounds with Maher, and the other orcs got another. 
another wound and I was I but I got I Maher mited one of his rolls to 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 get the just enough enough so Maher had to spend a point of might but it was enough that I got four wounds and just oh. rinsed Gilgalan. Oh, and into darkness fell his star. Yes. Damn. Yes. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. So that was I was that was super satisfying with the combination of Saruman and beefy Urukai. I had successfully killed Gilgalad and sort of like proved the theory of the list correct. And then we had this pretty decent war in the middle where he was, you know, I didn't have many Uruks in the middle and he was starting to get elves in and then the Numenorians, some of the more of them walking towards the center and it just it got to the point where i started having to like run some uryx into the center to try and uh try and beef it up a little bit and saruman had a few a few moments of uh i need to think about getting him out of here because otherwise this overwhelming force of elves and numenorians are going to kill him did Lendil manage to get into the action there uh, at all? Lendil was, was he, still he was still behind the building. around the backfield. He was still... Chatting with Grima. He, well, Grima was not over there at that point in time. Lendil was just behind uh, the building by himself for basically weird. the entire mm. game. The uh, the other like great moment I had was I had a Saruman Sorceress Blast because he had one banner, right? So I was trying to kill this banner. Sorceress Blast an elf backwards into the banner. Didn't kill the elf with the strength five, but killed the banner with the banner with the strength three hit, and there was nobody to pick it up. So that sweet Saruman netted me another Ooh. point, and basically he burnt the objective I had left open. I think Saruman used his gross eighteen-inch transfix to stop the one elf that was like busy stopping Grima from burning an objective, and Grima burnt another objective, and then walked over to the final objective. Um, and it got to the point where the game we were really close to ending it and so i shot saruman up to this objective um and and grima as well and and so he won priority on what turned out to be the final turn of the game he shot and i we think we i did a move off even because my plan was to charge grima into a lendil and saruman to tag the objective oh grima finally revealing his true colors on the last turn right exactly burning two exactly of the so yeah, he's like, no, it's fine. I'm a good guy. Just kidding. But what he won, he won the move off. He charged Saruman, but it still left Grima open to go and sit on the objective. And uh, he he must have done a wound to Saruman in the final in that final turn. Grima burnt the last objective, and I shattered him on that turn as well. Ooh. So, so what was that? A, a major victory to you? Yeah, so it ended up I had burnt three objectives, I broke him without being broken, and I had a banner left and he didn't. So it ended up being ten to f uh ten to three. So a major cool. victory. And the the tournament breakdown listener for this tournament is if you win by more four or more victory points, it's a major win. One to three victory points is a minor win, and an, an even score of victory points is, of course, a draw. Each one is worth four tournament victory points for a major win, three for a minor win, two for a draw, and one for a minor loss, zero for a major defeat. So four tournament points to you there, Sam. Nicely done. Yeah, a good a good start for the forces of the of Isengard and the White Wizard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, though it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if Elendil had had not been behind a building. Yeah, I th I think, I mean, it would have been interesting. I think the results still probably would have been similar just because I had a, still had a, a big block of probably 12 or so Urukai plus Ugluk yeah. and Vrashku all defending my middle mm. objective. So he still would have gotten the, because he, he, as I think I said, he burnt my leftmost a supply marker so he still would have had to fight through them and like yeah Elendil's getting his free heroic combat every turn but he's also he wasn't on horse so he's probably killing two Urukai maybe he's killing up to four a turn right on a on a good turn and so he he I guess I guess the difference probably would have been he probably would have broken me if Elendil had been yeah more, more aggressive i wonder if he was trying to keep him away from saruman or something also worth noting that hiding characters behind uh models is just about the worst thing you can do when facing a wizard because that sorceress blast just just knocks people down so moving forwards into your game one 
you we know you are destroying the supplies and we've gone over how that works so who were you playing against and what army did they have so i was playing against josh and because i was an evil player and only brought an evil army he was required to play his good force which was a lothlorien force mm, just out of interest do you do you know if he he did bring a an evil force as well he did bring an evil force as well um i think it might also have been azog's legion which was the army that i was playing oh, okay all right yeah i think i i think there were a couple there were at least two or at least one other azog's legion with a bog and two ogres oh really <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny all right but you weren't facing there was no mirror match here so it was lothlorien you said so Give yeah. us a breakdown. Yeah, no mirror, no mirror from Lothlorien either. No, no, no Galadriel. <laughs> this force was led by Caliborn. Four Galadrim warriors with shield in his warband. Five Galadrim warriors with spear and shield, and five guard of the Galadrim court with pikes. The next warband was led by Rumil, who I had faced before, but he's got a pretty cool special rule where he makes you re-roll, re-roll one of your dual dice, which is pretty good. Nice. In his warband, there are four Galadrim warriors with shield, four with spear and shield, and four more guard of the Galadrim court. And the final warband is Haldir, with ten Galadrim warriors with bows, and then five Galadrim warriors. No shield, no nothing extra. Nice. Interesting Interesting to note, I assume his plan was to have a Galadrim warrior backed up by a spear, backed up by a pike. But uh, as... I believe that was his intent. Uh, as yeah. we discussed pre-tournament while talking about the mighty Urukai Pike War, you can't actually do that. Yeah, and I, I did let him know that at the beginning of the game. I was like, hey man, I don't know if you know this, but just double check your pike rule. It, you can't you can't pike support through a spear supporting model. You can only do it through another pike. But it didn't actually come into play anyway. He was forced to spread his army out in the game and uh, he you know was just doing two two fighting, two guys, well, one guy with a spear support fighting one of my guys with a spear support was most of the fights through the game. But yeah, interesting yeah. Interesting to note. Yeah, I mean, definitely good to know and not something that I imagine most people know. I mean, maybe they do. I just assumed that you could do short spear, long pike in a, in a wall yeah. and it would be fine. Playing against Lothlorien, destroying the supplies, how did you feel going into this, this game? How did you feel your chances? Were you confident? Shaking in your boots? I felt pretty good about this game because I had the mobility. I've got a lot of move 8 uh, infantry, I've got some move 8 monsters, I've got two bats and Bolg on his Felwag and he had no cavalry at all, all of his guys were on foot, so I felt I felt pretty confident in being able to... Dictate where the fights were going to happen and when they were going to happen? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, and we were playing on a, a board that you might describe as part of Eriador, near, the, near Bree or the Shire with some houses and roads and some ruins and there were these two houses that kind of made a funnel in the middle of the board they blocked off the flanks pretty well so the, the main fighting kind of had to be in the middle of the board anyone that was going to go around the flank it'd be really obvious to both players exactly what was going to happen there so there was no like sneaky flank maneuvers going to happen which i also felt pretty good about i had the mobility and there was just no way for anyone to pull any shenanigans well i felt pretty good about going going into it well i look forward to hearing whether that confidence was whether that confidence was misplaced or misguided or whether you were successful and your prediction or your feeling goodness was accurate so uh, deployment i ended up putting all my guys right in the middle of the board this i think was one of my better deployments for the tournament it's a phase that i struggle with generally and he spread his forces out he's got haldir in the middle with his 10 bows and five warriors on the center supply and then Caliborn and Rumil are just sort of offset to the inside of each of their supplies. So his forces is split up, archers in the middle, combat force, combat force, and I'm just a big block of guys in the middle. I don't remember if I won priority first or he won priority first, but I called a march, ran my whole army forwards, and uh, into, a, into a withering hail of elf bowfire and lost three orcs Oof. on the first turn. Brutal. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. But they were just orcs. You didn't get any of my berserkers, no wounds on my bats or ogres, so that's fine. The Gundabads are there to die. They're supposed to die slowly, but, you know, what are you going to do? Elf bows. So, yeah, so the so I march, and then I got the priority the next turn, 
and I moved my guys up behind these fields and started to split my army in two, one to the left, one to the right, kind of heading towards his combat forces that were coming towards me. My goal was to get in these fields and behind these hedges and get the defending the obstacle. And then he won the next priority, so yeah, he had to charge my guys defending the obstacles. I got the obstacle on one flank, I didn't quite have the one on the other flank. Rumil goes up into my captain, Bolg is like right next to Rumil, ready to, to kill some elves, and Bolg calls the strike in my turn. Uh, not the strike, sorry, the heroic combat. And he's higher fight, so Rumel's got to call the strike. And he's already, you know, higher fight than my fight for captains. And my captain's like, oh, I'm going to shield. Bolg then just cannons off and into some more elves and gets some more kills. And Celeborn is on the other flank battling a whole crowd of berserkers and Gundabads. And the bats are still loitering in the battlefield, waiting for bat shenanigans to happen. And my one ogre's on the far flank getting ready to crush some elves. Uh, really getting into it. And I kind of bottleneck the other ogre with the house. I had the opportunity, if I'd won priority, I could have run through my own guys. But as it was, if I wanted to get him into combat, I'd have had to kill my own orcs, like stop on top of them and just have them die. So the ogre ended up running back around the house to pull a cool flanking maneuver. He was the flanking ogre. He wasted like two turns of movement running around that building, but it, it paid off for him. It paid off for him. He ended up being in the right place at the right time. So I was, I was pretty pleased with him. And the archers, you know, <laughs> didn't really get to do much that, what, you know, that third round. So you guys engaged, you were defending some, some obstacles, and Ogre was running around behind and around the house, confusing elves left, right, and center, I'm sure. Was he, was he trying to make a break for your objectives, or did you successfully manage to use that march of really pushing back to his side of the board? And I assume that was kind of the point, right? Is to... That was the point of the march, yeah. And it did. It, it worked for me. The heroes ended up fighting in the center, Celeborn was up against a Berserker, Berserker goes down, and he he goes towards Bolg and Rumil in the middle. And I got an opportunity later towards the end game to go throw Bolg into Celeborn, who's left his flank kind of open to a bunch of Berserkers, who start making a break for the objective. The Bat tried to knock over his banner, and I knocked over his banner, but I'd won priority that turn, so the banner got back up. Uh, always happens. And from there, the bat was heading towards the center objective, but got pincushioned by a whole bunch of archers. <laughs> and Haldir ends up nice. rushing into that gap, and Rumil's still battling my captain. And Haldir is fighting Bolg. And the ogre that's been doing this flanking maneuver races onto the objective, and all ten or whatever of the archers that are still left, maybe it wasn't all ten, I think some of them had died, and some were in combat with, you know, spear supports behind them and stuff. But... The, uh, there are four hits that land through on that ogre. He's got three wounds left, looking for fives to wound, and the guy threw two fives and two fours, and the ogre's sitting on the supply with one wound left. Pincushioned but Oof. glorious, and burns my first supply. And the middle battle line sort of combat swirl has just been back and forth. He hasn't really pushed me back, I haven't really pushed him back. I'm not making any headway towards that middle objective. But where Caliborn left his flank open, my berserkers are making a break for the, for the other supply. And then Bolg turns around on just about the last turn of the game and manages to go into Caliborn and kill Caliborn, and my Berserker makes a break for it and gets the last supply. Burns down the last supply. My bats didn't manage to burn any supplies. One got uh, surrounded by a bunch of guys in the middle of the game. He called a heroic move, and the guys just surrounded my bat, and uh, it didn't didn't make it out of there. And the other bat, like I said before, got yeah. the But, I mean, still, you know, I think, I think delicate flyers like that kind of, kind of take... Uh, some practice to use and I think part of the threat of them is he could never as long as that bat was in 12 inches of an objective he could never walk away from it he always had to be prepared and basically put control zones on it because even if you know if you lose priority and he leaves a gap where the bat can fly in and not go into combat you you know like sure I guess he can turn around and shoot him if he's archers but still it does it's just constantly threatening the, the potential of burning the supply which is part of their job right yep. how did what was the what was the final score it sounds like you burnt two of his supplies and killed Caliborn. yeah so for a total of five victory points there and he never made it to any of my supplies there was that big scrum in the middle did you lose your banner i did lose my banner no i didn't lose my ba banner he still had one left or maybe I did lose my bat. I've got five victory points to one written down as my final score, so we could go back through and count it, but pretty much a major victory to me is really the takeaway there. I didn't score maximum well, victory right. points, but I definitely yeah, yeah. got more than enough while yielding very, very few. I think the one that he got was a banner alive. I wasn't broken. He wasn't broken. 
Nice. Well, sounds sounds yeah. like the Gallagher boys are having a successful round one. So excellent, a major victory apiece. All right, Sam. Game two. Where was it? How did it go? Yes. So game two, we were playing Command the Battlefield, which is a maelstrom, and it's controlling table quarters, I believe. So I actually did did not swap arena and was playing on the exact same table that you just crushed some lothlorien on <laughs> yeah so you're very familiar with it yeah and i was playing against a rohan army mm. and again this is a scenario that ends when you've reduced your opponent to one quarter of their strength um, and scoring victory points for controlling table quarters wounding the enemy leader and breaking the opponent so yeah i was playing against i was playing against rohan which again i didn't bring a good army and so he had to play his rohan army yeah so his his rohan army was theoden with a bunch of riders and royal guard theodrid with some more riders and royal guard gambling with his sweet banner and urkenbrand some riders of I think it was Urkenbrand. So not, not Theoden's Legendary Legion? Though. No, no. It was just bog-standard Rohan, which was kind of cool. Um, nice. And he won the priority to go first. Now, quick quick question. Can you use the Palantir to lose priority on Maelstrom? <laughs> no, you can only use it to win priority. That's you funny. do get to choose. But he has to be on the board to use it. Ah, okay. Well... I guess that makes sense. They decided that for Elrond, but it's a shame because he uses it in his tower. Right. But anyway. So, yeah. So, obviously, Grima Wormtongue was whispering to Theoden. Uh, so, there was a long, uh, before game began conversation about what uh, what Grima Wormtongue did. And so, he won, he, he won priority and rolled. Yeah. Urkenbrand didn't come on, but Theoden and Theodred basically both came on in the same spot which was pretty good for him and then i i went next and maher and his warband i got to choose on the opposite side of the table for like most of his army so i was like great i'll just stick him in the middle and then i rolled the like two or something for gluk and his warband and so he put them like right by theoden and his basically his whole army and I was like, oh man, mm. this is going to be the classic Maelstrom, get like one one chunk of my army is just going to get like ruined and it's going to be game over. So then oh. I rolled for Varashku, I think, and I got to choose and I was like, well, I'm going to put him right by Gluk and the rest of my army uh, did that. And he was like, hmm, and then I rolled for Saruman, got the same thing. So basically everyone, so Maher ended up being stranded by himself but they're all movement eight so I oh, was he's okay. the one you want to be stranded by right himself. exactly so it ended up and at this point the guy's like starting to get pretty worried especially because as saruman rides onto the table he's got theodins in the clump of riders and saruman goes sorcerer's blast and shoots a regular rohan warrior into theodin and knocks theodin off his horse first turn oh discussed how that works out for you already didn't we right Ah, it was so it was so good, and because you can't charge when you come on, but you're moving on, and you get to cast spells. So, pretty mm. good, pretty good there. And then he, I think he won priority the next turn, but basically he just started. He just charged his Rohan into my Urukai, and it was it was a a pretty hairy fight for several turns there you know green was doing the lord's work standing within six inches of theoden gambling and theodred and they're just like <laughs> burning through might like there's no tomorrow green is a great answer for gambling's banner pre might cost you two might right right especially because gambling can only use it when they're at zero so if you have a three might hero right they call an action takes them to one might then they have to use that might to adjust a dice roll and then gambling mm. gives them a might back. They like you get you get a might to adjust up and down a, a dice roll like infinitely, but you're not calling heroic actions. And I, in fact, you know, I think he got he, I think I palantiered and he used Theoden to call a heroic move, which I was like, oh okay, well it cost you two might. I was like so so keen on it costing two might, 
Then I forgot the fact that Aiden can't use heroic actions while within six of Grima. At all. Oh. At all. So, <laughs> oh well. So he, he got two additional might that, or he got the use to use some might that he, he otherwise he wouldn't have if I'd actually remembered my rules. But um, but yeah, he 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 was consistently winning. He was winning enough of the priorities or the move offs, which was costing him extra might. That for like three, two or three turns in a row, he was able to tag Saruman before Saruman got to cast any spells, and Ooh. so it was looking looking a little dodgy there for a while. But like. You know, I just I won that war of attrition. I slowly got more Urukai into the fight and was grinding that. I mean, he was basically if he won a fight, he would kill an Urukai because mm. they're strength four on the charge. They're knocking me down. He's rolling four dice at strength four, needing fives, and it was just like, you know, I was just losing Urukai left, right, and center. But then I got uh, Mahur and his boys arrived, and. I, I started winning some priorities. Saruman got got a couple turns of being free, and Sorceress blasted some people, and then like wiggled his way out a little bit to get more into the you know away from this one royal guard who just kept charging him. And I I mean I was beating Theoden in every combat he fought because he's you know my basic infantry is when if I roll a six win the fight because they're fight four and Theoden within six inches of Grimer is only fight three. <laughs> oh poor Theoden. Yeah. But Theoden lasted like five turns, even though he was trapped, just because I I was not rolling the, the sixes I needed or whatever it was to wound him. Um, but then Maher just <clears throat> came in with his three attacks and was just tanking people. Gluk went into Theodrid and struck up after Theodrid had used two of his might to call a heroic move, so I had the higher fight, took that fight, killed killed Theodrid as as he should. The only thing there was no river around to kill him in the river. And I and I broke him, and he had scattered some riders across the board to like hold the table quarter. So that was the other thing is it's like he it, in the first half of the game it looked like he was winning the major the major combats, and then but it's about controlling the board. Well, he was so he had control of the board and was beating me in the fights, and then by the second half I was taking control of the fights, but he still had control of all the boards and. So I had to start like uh, you know, so I was sending three move eight scouts over to one area and like trying to trying to seize up control of the board. I broke him and a like a bunch of he he had some really bad luck. A bunch of his riders ran, including like Urkenbrand fled the board. Oh he rolled like a he rolled like a three and Urkenbrand's like courage four and only his one will or something. Oh jeez. <laughs> So Urkenbrand goes, which then made a whole bunch of riders go, and it just ended up being pretty pretty brutal. And so because of that, I was able to contest one section of board, one quarter, and claim two others. And I think there was another one that neither was claimed. Anyway, so the score ended up being eight to zero in my favor. Ooh, ooh, that's yeah. rough. It was it was it ended up being incredibly brutal. And it's a pretty dream matchup for you, really, isn't it? Theoden right. and his riders against Urukai and Saruman, and it sounds like the Maelstrom sort of went your way. Although it was a classic Maelstrom, your opponent maybe thought it was going to go his way, and then it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it re it really was. It was like, well, we, we talked about this before the event. I was like, oh, it's good versus evil. Like, Rohan's pretty popular. I just want to play a... I just want to have Theoden get, like, Grima Worm-tongued. And he did, and it was absolutely brutal. You know? But like I said, nice guy. I, I think I won. Ended up winning a lot of the priorities towards the end. It was it was hard to. I really thought he had the game from, for most of the first half, and then even when I started winning the big melee, I he I didn't have control of the board, and he really did. And then he just you know a couple of Rohan really pretty low courage, few below average rolls, and they they fled and I started thinking about it with enough time that I was able to get some Urukai into the table quarters. Sounds like a great game for you. Yeah, yeah, so another major victory. Isengard, all this emotional energy and thought into crafting this this list with, you know, the perfect amount of pikes versus sword. Yeah, uh, there's a lot really, of back and really forth paying on off. how many pikes, how many crossbows, how many sword and board. Hmm. Yeah. We'll have to go over any thoughts and changes you'd make to the list at the end of the, uh, end of the, end of the tournament. So... Your game too, Ben. We know we were commanding the battlefield, a mighty maelstrom scenario. Who were you playing against this round? 
Alright, I was playing against another super evil player, Jarrett. Uh. With an awesomely, and in fact, award-winning painted Mordor army. He's taken home a couple of painting awards with this army. It is. It so is it was a battle to see evil. who was evilest, really. I think we decided that since he brought the Witch King that he was the evil player for the game because it's hard to be more evil than the Witch King of Angmar. That's, that's fair. So his army, as previously mentioned, is a Mordor army led by the Witch King on Felbeast with the classic 3-15-3 might, uh, will, and fate. In his warband there are four Black Numenorians, three Orcs with Spear and Shield, an Orc with a Banner, and an Orc Tracker. The next warband is just Shelob, the giant spider, spawn of Ungoliant. That is, I think. that is correct. Darkness, in fact, in the form of a spider. Not even a real spider, which at least that checks out because real spiders in Lord of the Rings all have really low defense, and she she loves defense seven. So the next warband is Goroth, the captain of the Moranans. Not actually captaining any Moranans though, because his warband is four Black Numenorians, four Orcs with spear and shield two warg riders and three trackers the last warband is final warband is the shadow lord on horse with four black numenorians three orcs with spear and shield and two trackers man what a terrifying army right were right. the track the orc trackers on on foot or riding wags uh they're on foot so the only two wags are in goroth's warband gotcha cool so playing evil versus evil fighting against the witch king and another ring wraith and a handful of orcs and black numenorians and sheila poof geez fighting against a lot i basically just quickly ran through that army again for you, <laughs> you, did, you did. <laughs> but, but how yeah, did there you go that's what it is you kept lying oh one more thing oh and that and that yeah it's a cool army yeah how did you how did you feel about this one well we were playing on a kind of interesting board it's a lake town board but the best lake town board that i've seen so far because he had like a cool small lake or pond it's more like puddleville maybe in the middle of the board with the walkways and the houses set up on that and then more houses sort of scattered around the edges of the board so you weren't you didn't have to deal with all the walkways and stuff particularly for maelstrom deployment where the middle 12 inches of the board is like a null zone we really didn't have to worry about moving on the right. walkways and stuff and um, we called the we decided to call the water shallow water because no one wants to deal with looking up the rules for swim tests or something we didn't anyway so i felt uh okay about this one i don't know maelstrom i was just like we'll just see what happens you know it's gonna be a fun game come what may it's kind of a hard thing to make a prediction because you can really win or lose on that first turn move yeah you really can and this game is a very classic example of how that happens because i won the key move by losing the first priority uh, all that practice we did yeah all that practice off. rolled a sweet sweet two or a one or something so he's moving onto the board first and the witch king comes on and rolls a one and ends up spending the might so that i get to pick where he comes on because i guess he wanted the witch king on the board I don't know. Fair. Maybe I'd have taken the one. I, I don't know if it was the right I, choice. I hundred percent would have taken the one. Hundred percent, because because you don't want to you don't want to be the first person to move on. Right. You want to know where everyone else is, so it's kind of like you know almost the ideal thing if you loot if you win that first turn priority to move on in Maelstrom. You want to roll ones across the board, and then it's like you haven't lost or haven't won priority. I keep saying lose priority because you. You want to lose it in Maelstrom, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so the Witch King uses a might, and I place him in a corner of the board, as close to a corner as I can. And then he brings Goroth on, on the adjacent board edge in the same corner. So the Witch King and Goroth are kind of close to each other, but they're split up by this building in the corner. And then the lake itself kind of breaks up the, the two warbands. And I then got to choose where Shelob comes on, so I put her, like, right in the middle of the opposite board edge, pretty much as far away as she could be from the rest of his army, like you do in Maelstrom, that's just Excellent. a tactic. Yep, and then the Shadow Lord didn't come on either, also rolled a one, and he sat on his might and didn't come on. Yeah, there we go, lessons learned. Lessons learned. So, he placed my first warband right next to the Witch King, which is my warband with a bunch of orcs and the banner. And I was like, well, it's not the best place for him to be, but it's not the worst place for him to be either. I got to place my next warband right next to them too. So what ended up happening was there was the Witch King next to a building with his warband. Goroth is on the other side of the building and there's a big old cloud of orcs with a banner and two captains in front of them. 
and then I got to pick where Bold comes on, on the other board edges, and he came in right behind Shelob. So it's a pretty ide ideal deployment for me. Bold's getting ready to go kill himself a giant spider, and the Witch King's just got a bunch of orcs to deal with all my cool stuff, my bats and my and my ogres and my berserkers that might be tempting for the Witch King to do Witch King shenanigans to are nowhere near the Witch King, which was great for me. Excellent. And then I won the next priority, and Bold charges Shelob. My first Gundabad Orc, my mighty courageous three Gundabad Orc, rolls his courage and charges the Witch King. So the Witch King is not oh, yeah. going to do any shenanigans this turn. And I just ranked up the rest of my Orcs in a big old shield line against the Black Numenorians and waited for the charge over there. And then on his turn, Goroth is like trying to run around the building and catch up to the Witch King. Black Numenorians charge in and the Shadow Lord comes in and it's my pick again. And I pick the opposite corner from the Witch King. So the Shadow Lord is all the way by himself with his little warband but you know everyone's pretty spread out too so it's a table quarters game so it still could be anyone's game at this point although the deployment is going my way and i won the next priority as well charged shelob finished her off that turn i didn't quite manage to surround her on the on the first time i charged her so she passed all her courage tests surround her on the next turn she's going down and the berserkers start running towards the shadow lord and the bats are running to go kill some old trackers and generally do harassy batty things. I wasn't really sure what to do with them. I, I decided to send one on a mission to go knock the banner over because I think that's funny. When I'm not sure what to do with my bats, that's that's what I do with them. <laughs> and the other one was going to go kill some trackers. But the Witch King's locked up. Goroth's like wading through the lake. Shelob's dead. Bolg turns around and starts heading towards the Dark Marshal who starts running away but sends his Black Numenorians forward. The Dark Marshal didn't want any part of that. He tried to... He did. He black darted Bolg's wag, but I... I think I rolled a five and mighted it up to a six, so Bolg landed on his feet. Didn't really want to lose that turn. And the Witch King ended up calling a heroic move the next turn, because I won the next priority. So I won the first four priorities in this game. Or lost the first one and then won the next three. Nice. The Witch King ends up using another might to call a move and black darted my banner and killed my banner because I put it in a stupid spot. But that's okay. It was probably the best target for the Witch King over there. And in his move, I put my bat in the middle of the lake ready to go do some bat shenanigans, but the Witch King got his heroic move and my bat got charged by a wag rider. But the other bat swooped in and knocked, tried to knock over his banner and failed that, but then hid round behind the, the building and was like, ah, I'm still alive. And he was the one that ended up going to go kill some trackers and contest the table quarter at the end of the game. And we just kind of battled it out from there. Orcs fighting Black Numenorians. It's pretty, you know, he gets the charge off. I win a fight. Black Numenorian dies or he wins the fight and an orc dies. It was, it was a pretty killy game. Lots of people going down, but it mostly went my way. And by the end of the game, we had one table quarter that was completely mine with just an ogre sitting in it. It was the one that Shelob had been in. I just left an ogre over there. It was like, this is my table quarter. The other table quarters were both contested. Uh, no, they were we, well. They don't they don't work with, by contesting, do they? You've got to have more models than your opponent. So I just had more bodies than him. So I had two table quarters that were mine because I had more guys in it. One of them I was one orc away from having double, which would have gotten me even more victory points. And then he had one table quarter that was all his. So mm. it was one table quarter all mine, one table quarter all his, and then one that I the two that were mine, but you know only only just for a total of four victory points to me and, and two to him. Wow, pretty pretty close game. Yeah. So you ended on a uh, a minor victory then. A minor victory and a fairly classic maelstrom battle, I thought. But also sounds like, despite the fact that it ended pretty not, or the maelstrom went pretty not ideally, that it still sounds like it was a very close game. I mean, that's not that's not necessarily like a just a loss to maelstrom. No, no, it was it was he played well. He maneuvered his trackers and his wild riders in the backfield and left orcs and stuff around so that. You know, I, I had to work to get the table quarters. And it, I think it just came down to bodies over by the Witch King. Like I said, that's a fairly small warband, and Gorath's warband had spread out, and there had been some casualties. But because of the way it was bottlenecked, all my orcs weren't really in combat doing anything. But at the end of the game, mm -hmm. that meant that they were there to be bodies and score points. Well, very nice. Gallagher boys win both, both their first two games. Sam, two games down, two major victories to you. Any takeaways, thoughts from those first two games? Not, uh, nothing, nothing particularly. Saruman is great at knocking guys off of horses. Yeah, yeah, Saruman, Saruman pretty good. Grima, pretty, pretty nice. And, you know, 
I think I think after these two games, I was definitely really hot on Maher. I thought he he was awesome in both of the games, and that move eight was super awesome. So I think it's more just you know I was as I was playing these games, I was kind of considering as this was a test run for the army, like what things I would change, which you know. But I think mm. that's a, a better to to fully talk about at the after we know how the other games went. What about you? Any any takeaways? Any big big aha moments? I don't know any big aha moments. In my first game, I, I was pleased with myself for not splitting my army up to initially flank around a building. It's the kind of thing I normally want to do, and I think it worked well for me that I didn't do that. I just committed to the middle. And in my second game, I was pretty pleased with how I managed to handle the Witch King, just throwing random orcs at him. Because the Witch King on Felbeast is big and intimidating, and I really didn't want him to just, like screw over my game with Bolg. I was just quite pleased with how, you know, I managed to tie up the Witch King with regular rolls while Bolg got to go run around and, and have fun. So, listener, that concludes the first episode of Gondor Calls for Ale. Hopefully soon you'll be able to enjoy episode two where we finish discussing the Bilbo's Birthday Bash tournament. Thank you for listening to Gondor Calls for Ale. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. We at Gondor Calls for Ale are not associated with Games Workshop, New Line Cinema, or the Tolkien Estate. We hope we have not misrepresented or offended anyone. These recordings are strictly our recollections of games we've played, and are not commentaries on the character or competence of our opponents. They are intended purely for entertainment, and we hope they will be taken as such. You can find us on Instagram at Gondor underscore calls underscore for underscore ale. Feel free to send us a message there, or you can send us an email at gondorcallsforale at gmail.com. As Boromir, Captain of the White Tower, once said, Remember today, listener, today this episode was good.